Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real, honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I am Brett, and today I have the pleasure of sitting here with Crystal. Hi! With Ashley. Hey! And for the first time on the podcast, our friend Charlie! So Charlie, it's your first time, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I worked in the public school system in a deaf and hard of hearing classroom in middle school for six years before I decided to go into ministry. I've been a student ministry for the last 12 years, serving mainly as a middle school pastor and then director of student ministry. Awesome. So I have three ladies with me who yeah, went from public school education into ministry. That's very cool. I wonder if that's a trend that is a normal thing. It's a trend in the orange world to go from education into ministry. Apparently. Awesome. Well, today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're going to be talking about the challenges that come with being a female in youth ministry and how to overcome them. A little bit of a disclaimer before we get going. This is not the only episode we're having about this, so we're not cramming all of this. is not the theological conversation about who you should hire, what you should pay them, all of those different things. This is one conversation that we're having about overcoming challenges being a female in youth ministry. I'm excited to have this conversation, but I do have just a little pushback to the yeah. title. Um, overcoming the challenges doesn't really, it feels like we were done with it. Like it was something yeah. in our past, like something that happened to us mm-hmm. isn't happening to us. Oh, And so I'd like to bring to the table that even though we have had challenges in the past, it doesn't mean we're not currently working yeah. through them, blazing that trail mm-hmm. and, and trying to have our voices heard. Yeah, so this isn't the three women that overcame <laughs> Most challenges. Most definitely not. But, but very much. But very Mandisa's overcomer just came to mind. <laughs> Don't sing it. Don't, Don't do it. Sing Don't sing it, Ash. Yeah. But this is very much <laughs> things that you guys have have been through, have, have wrestled with in ministry, and, and in some ways continue to, to face some of those challenges. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So this is very much, you know, a, a, a tension that you guys probably feel way more than than guys feel. So if you if you haven't listened to any of these episodes before and you can't tell by the timbre of my voice, um, I'm a dude. Um, I have not. <laughs> I have not faced a lot of these. And in all honesty, there are probably a lot of situations, even as I attempt to be, you know, aware and helpful in these issues that, that, that I have not been. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to hear from some of your thoughts and some of your experiences. And I'm fully expecting to be convicted myself of some ways that, that I have created some barriers and created some challenges completely unintentionally from, you know, the, the mm-hmm. females that I have led with, that I have worked with. So as we kind of jump in to this conversation, what, what are some of those barriers? What are some of those challenges that you all have faced in your, in your opportunities to lead in your experience in ministry? Well, I think the first challenge is just visibility. Because growing up, I knew very early I was called to work with high school students and looked around me and said, okay, I don't know a single girl who is in youth ministry. So the assumption I took away, even as a high school student, was if I want to be in student ministry, the only way I can do that is to marry a youth pastor. Mm. And there weren't a lot of cute ones. And so (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Yikes, I'll see myself out. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. You must Uh, have an allergy to flannel. (laughs) Oh, 
saying. No, back in the day, it was an allergy to wide leg jeans. <laughs> There's some age. Be fun. Oh, There's no. some age. Oh, um, Boom roasted. So I ended up as a teacher in public high schools because that was the place that I could serve teenagers. Mm. But it, I wonder what would have looked differently if I had seen even just one girl in youth ministry growing up um, in any church in my community. Yeah. And and I said something earlier about like, I wonder if that's a trend in women who start in education and Mm -hmm. then find a way into, into, into ministry that very much might be more of a reality than with men, because they might not feel like there are any options for them outside of the education world to be in that sort of a setting with teenagers. That's my story for sure. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, never knew that the church was an option for me. Wow. And so I went into public school teaching. Wow. Fascinating. So well, uh, some other barriers, some other challenges that you guys have faced, what, have, what does that look like for you? Well, I think there are um, some stereotypes in the church about what women are and are not good at. And this may not be everyone's story. This was my story. I was serving in a student ministry, first as a small group leader, then as a communicator, then as a curriculum writer. When we would lose a student pastor, I would interview the next candidate and hire the next candidate. And then I would be offered the job of secretary Mm. because it was just assumed that a man on staff would be able to speak and a woman on staff would be really organized. And what I kept telling people was, guys, I'm not an organized human being. Like You should see my house. This isn't just about me as a woman wanting to be in student ministry. This is about, this is not good for the church. (laughs) Things will be lost. Budgets will be dashed. This is not a good idea. But I think there are just some general ideas about what women are good at um, and what men are good at. I used to hire positions in our student ministry. And it was ironic that we that have all these conversations with a candidate, bring him into the room to meet our senior pastor and the hiring committee. And he would never look me in the eye, never shake my hand. Mm. And like when I would interview a person, would answer to my coworker who was a male and not to me. Mm. And it was so like, hey, dude, yeah, I'm the one that called you. I'm the one that set up this meeting. I'm not the secretary. And when that would happen, I would immediately just trash the resume. Because how could you work Mm -hmm. with a female Mm -hmm. if you couldn't even look them in the eye, shake their hand, and just be appropriate in a situation? Mm -hmm. So, Crystal, I want to jump back to what you said about how you had to marry a youth pastor to be in youth ministry. Just this summer, I was at an event that you take students to to help them develop and to be better student leaders. And a girl at the next table taps me on the shoulder, and she's like, hey, I see you brought some students. She goes, are you the youth pastor? And I was like, I am. you know. And I was really excited. She goes, I've never seen a woman youth pastor before. Hmm. She goes, and I would really like to get your number. And it was crazy to me because she came from what I would consider a very liberal church and allowing women in leadership. And it was really strange that she was so taken aback that I can be a leader, but now I could even be the youth pastor it was really kind of a really cool wow. event for that. Awesome. And I wonder if you're if you're listening, and there probably are a lot of listeners who are saying, that's great. That is not a situation that's plausible in my church. We don't hire women as pastors, and we don't call women pastors. And we're not saying that you have to. And we're not saying who you have to pay, or, or that's not what this podcast is about. But there is value in having women in leadership in some degree, having students see women who are leading. And so I think that's what we're aiming for. Some of us have done that professionally and some haven't. Um, 
but I don't want us to get hung up on, well, that's not the case in my church. Mm -hmm. Because even if you're not hiring women as pastors, there are opportunities for women to serve in a really visible leadership role. Just a few months ago, I was teaching at, at my church in the middle school ministry. And afterwards, this girl in the front row goes, Ashley, Ashley, come here. And I, so I jumped down off the front of the stage. She's like, hi, I'm Caroline. I'm like, hi, Caroline, I'm Ashley. And she's like, how do I do what you just did? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, like, do they ever let students teach? Hmm. And I was like, is that what you want to do? She's like, well, I've never had the thought until I saw you doing that. Oh, wow. That's and her cute, so many times. her cute little friend next to her goes, she's a really good speaker. I've uh-huh. seen her in class, which was the cutest <laughs> thing ever. But it was just such an awesome moment because I saw myself in her. Like, mm, I never absolutely. knew it was an option in the church until I saw a woman do it. And I was in my 20s when that happened. And here, this 13-year-old girl, I was able to help plug her in to children's ministry so she could start using that passion and gift that God had given her. And so I know I knew in that moment, like, this is why women need to be in visible positions, whether they're on staff or not, in positions where girls in that room can see a woman in that kind of a position so that they have an opportunity to dream yeah. of being in that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who told me this, but I thought it was such a great quote. Kids can only be what they can see hmm. and they'll never be what they can't see. And I think that was true for us as girls growing up in ministry. And that's true for kids from a lot of different backgrounds, that if you don't have a diverse group of people on your stage, um, racially diverse, ethnically diverse, gender diverse, then kids won't ever assume that they can be that because they didn't see that. Absolutely. So good. Yeah. But, you know, I think not only this podcast helping men to hear these things, it's so great because I'm in these groups with different women and different cohorts with women who think they're alone in these issues. Hmm. Like, they think... Yep. I'm, it's just me. I don't want to talk about it. No one else is struggling with this. And they don't want to bring to light some of the oppression and the issues that they receive as a woman in ministry. Hmm. So hmm. I think this is, podcast is important for us girls, too, to hear that we've all struggled with some of these situations before. I think, practically speaking, uh, just some examples from my uh, experience when I was hired into a ministry position. Um, as a female, there was multiple times. I was the director of one of our main departments in the church, the middle school ministry, and every other director of a department was a male, hmm. except for the children's pa- children's director. I shouldn't call pastor because that was one of the things, is women got the title director and males got the title pastor. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily one of the battles that I chose to fight in this situation because it is what it is, and that wasn't something that was as important to me because I knew I was pastoring in right. the role. But so many times after our leadership meeting would end, all the males would go to lunch and mm. the two females mm. weren't invited to go as directors. Mm. And so the access a female has to their reports and the other directors, is just mm-hmm. so different for a female. So many times I would go sit in my office and see all the guys leave to go to lunch together. And I'm thinking to myself, this just doesn't feel right. It feels yeah. so strange to me. My favorite is when they say they'll bring you a doggy bag back. Would, oh. you, would you like anything for lunch today? No, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We would have these youth pastor meetups for lunch, which was really great because all the youth pastors coming together in the name of Jesus, right? Like, we're all together. This is great kingdom work. But no one would sit with me. My coworker, who was a guy, was at a table with everybody else, and it was this kind of joke that we played. How long would it take for a man to sit at my table? Wow. Y'all, I cannot tell you the many times I sat there and ate my Zaxby's alone Mm. because they were weird to sit with me. Like, I... I don't know. You know what I mean? It's that tension. It like is. they can't be alone with me, but we're still in a big room. Like they can't mm-hmm. take me to lunch. I can't ride in their car. But then how do you be part of the ministry when you can't even 
be in the same table for lunch. That was a conversation I was having with, uh, my a, a very close friend of mine who is a, a actually a pastor of student ministries, um, a female, and we were talking about healthy boundaries and this idea of when do healthy boundaries inhibit women's opportunities. She was asking me some of these questions, you know, asking me to kind of think through some of this. So when do healthy boundaries inhibit women's opportunities? When do healthy boundaries unintentionally exclude women from significant leadership conversations? When do healthy boundaries send unintentional? messages. And so I think on the guys end, I mean, you know, President, Vice President Pence was all over the news because the whole Billy Graham rule, you know, a, a few months ago. And so I think that a lot of that exists in the church too, where you have these these men in leadership that are trying to have healthy boundaries, that are, are trying to make wise decisions, but are, are boxing out opportunities for some really awesome leaders and, you know, must listen to voices to be a part of those. And so I think there are a lot of guys that might recognize that, but they don't know what this looks like for them to continue to have healthy boundaries, but create space at the at the table for them. Yeah, and I, I think all of us around the table would even agree that some of those healthy boundaries are a really good idea. We've seen churches taken down by unnecessary yeah. scandals and suspicions. And so we get why those exist. But some of them probably but sound like excuses. Yeah. Sometimes. Or like every girl's going to be an evil temptress to mm-hmm. every yes. man she sits across. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what I was saying. I'm like, hello, I'm happily married. I'm not interested. I'm just and here for the chicken. what do you think I can do you know? on that 45-second elevator ride? Like, right? If a guy sat at your table, you should have been like, mm, I don't, I don't trust you near me. <laughs> yes. You, yeah, you, you might try to make a move on this, so you might want to go sit with the fellas. <laughs> Why did I never do that? And I, <laughs> she should have done that. But I think if if we know that business is conducted at lunch, right? If we know that work conversations are had at lunch. Why not just invite another person to go along with us? Why is it we never have lunch together? Well, I get why it's not just the two of us, but can we invite somebody else, someone else on the team to join us? Can we bring lunch back to the office? Are we unintentionally just disconnecting completely professionally because of gender? All right. Now, let, I, I want to hear some more challenges and some more of these tensions that you guys have lived with. Because like I said earlier, there are probably times in, in my ministry and my leadership where where I have been the one creating these barriers unintentionally. So I think it's, it's so healthy for you guys to continue to share these real life examples because there are guys listening that probably haven't recognized some of these times, some of these things that maybe that, that we have done. So share a couple more of these challenges, a couple more of these tensions that you guys have felt to, 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 to help us have a better understanding of, of what this has looked like. One of the things that I am continuously wrestling through is the whole idea of like sitting in a meeting with men and women around a, t- a leadership table of mm-hmm. some kind. And I constantly feel this pressure as a female to have to like tame what I really want to say hmm. or how I want to say it. Because when a lot of times when a female speaks her mind, it can come across as brash or too opinionated or too loud. And it's so hard because if a male would have said the exact same thing, he would get a pat on the back and be like, you're such a great leader. And the female gets told like, you need to say the words differently in order to be heard better. And it's just hard because especially being a girl from the North and a girl who talks to middle school students. So you're taught to be direct. Right. So I'm constantly wrestling with that. So you speak your mind and you're afraid you're going to get called the B word. Yep. Brash. Yep. Brash. <laughs> Brash. 
Brash. You're the B word, brash. Correct. But Ashley, I'm with you. I've been in so many staff meetings where it took me minutes to pose my words into a sentence so that when I said things, it was heard and not just, oh, like this rough comment or things like that. And there's been many meetings I wouldn't speak Hmm. as the only female in the room because my opinion probably wouldn't have mattered anyway, so why even speak up? And I think that for a long time, I probably just felt that those were were just my experiences. Mm. And then someone recently was talking about Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, and the research she did that showed that women's professional advancement is directly linked to their likability. And men's professional advancement is inversely linked to their likability. Interesting. So we really do have to be a little bit more likable um, in order to advance professionally. Also, female communicators, just bringing up that topic. uh, And I, there's so many sides of this. And I know that the truth is, is females just haven't had as many reps when it comes to communicating from the main stage. And so I, I agree. If you're a listener and you're like, well, they're just not, who am I supposed to ask what females ready? I agree with you. There are not a lot of females who are ready for some of those opportunities, but there are some. Yeah. And I think that the hard part for a female, when you step on that stage, the pressure we feel is you better be an A or you'll never be asked again. And if a male steps up on stage and he's a C, he's told, oh, look at, he's a growing communicator. Yeah. He's going to be so good one day. And so the, the pressure feels so different as a female. Can I just amen that as a female communicator? I just want to say amen to that hmm. because I feel so much pressure when I get on stage that this better be awesome because hmm. I'm not going to get a second opportunity. I, um, I served at a church that was trying to figure this out and was intentionally allowing women on stage. And I remember sitting in a conversation where we were planning a camp and planning who would speak at the camp. And someone with the best of intentions said, I think we need a female communicator. But, you know, boys won't listen to a girl unless she looks a certain way. Ooh. And so we need to make sure she's, um, well, you know. And everybody around the table said, yeah, yeah, I know. And I thought, oh, man, Mm. man, to think that that a woman needs to look a certain way to be on stage. um, Did you get get up and bobby knight your chair across the room? I sat there in shock and thought, are they right? Oh, no. Mm. You know? And it took kind of years and seeing women on stage who look differently and women on stage from different backgrounds and who... Um, dress differently and we're all different sizes on stage before I started to think about as a young leader, oh, they might've been wrong. (laughs) Because when you're a young leader, you just look at the older leaders and say, I guess you're right. Yep. Yep. So the reality is not that this is an excuse. This is true kind of in anywhere, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And so, you know, to, to the guys that are listening to the men in leadership positions, you know, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is as we, as we hear these stories, it makes me think that I wish more men leaders would go to women that they work with, women that they lead with, and say, what do I not know? What, what is your experience like in, in this environment? For me, as someone who is co-leading with you or who is, is, is leading you, what are some things that I need to know about the way that I'm leading you that might not be helpful, that might be d- diminishing what it is that you have to bring to the table, what what would be some of the best ways that that could look for guys who are starting to think like, oh my gosh, like I've never asked a question like that. What are some of the best ways to ask that with with without it coming off the wrong way? 
I think exactly what you just said yeah. is ask that and have a conversation with more than one woman because every yeah. every woman's experience mm-hmm. in ministry is different. But sort of build a consensus between different women in your organization or in different organizations about what has that looked like for you? What have the challenges been? But I think the biggest part is just ask that. Hmm. No one's ever asked me that. Interesting. I mean, with all the guys that I've worked with in my 12 years in student ministry, not one man has sat down and said, how could we work better together? Hmm. Well, I know a conversation that I should probably start with you in the next week or so. <laughs> <laughs> This just got weird, guys. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> You're asking her right now, Brett. You're the so, first one. No. You're the first Good one, Brett. Good job. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we've talked a little bit about what is probably just a fraction of the challenges and the tensions that you all have felt throughout your career, throughout your ministry. But share a little bit of some of the lessons that you've learned and some of the advice that you would give when it comes to trying to overcome those. Well, ladies, you know what you're good at and you know what you rock. So just own it. Stand tall, put those shoulders back and just keep marching forward. All the negative comments and the naysayers, they're not taking away what God has given to you. Mm. And so just live into that and live into what he's blessed you with and the skills that he's given you. It's important. Charlie, I love what you said about lean into what you're good at. I would say make sure that you... Don't just take a role that may not be your calling and may not be what you're great at just because it's the role that you're offered. If you know that you're a great communicator or a great writer or a great leader, aim for that mm-hmm. and and don't aim for something that God never made you to do in the first place. Um, the other thing that I think I would say just as a piece of advice is something I learned when I came to Orange. Orange is very woman in leadership friendly. In fact, both of our student ministry teams are led by women. Um, And for a long time, our boss was a woman. And that was surprising. That was really different than any area that I had ever served. Mm. And what I found myself doing was still leaning out of conversations with men. I found myself still hesitating to act like a leader, even though my role was the leader. And, and I really just at some point had to have a talk with myself and say, if you want to be treated as a leader, you need to start acting as a leader, whether you're comfortable doing that yet or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. I would first say find community. It's You can feel lonely in youth ministry, hmm. whether you're a guy or a girl. Yep. And specifically yeah. being a female in youth ministry, there aren't a lot of us. There are more. It's a growing profession for yep. females. But I think community where you can kind of hash through some of these things so that they don't control you. Because it's so easy, especially as a female, to get caught up in, like, is it personal? Is it, like, what is it about? And yeah. to have somebody to talk to about it um, is super helpful. And the second thing I would say is, we as females in youth ministry need to be each other's biggest fans. Mm. Yes. It's so, yes to that. so mm. common that females in ministry become like competitive with each other or jealous of each other. And as a female in ministry, you need to be lifting up the women around you and not competing with them, but cheering them on mm. because we have enough working against yep. us yep. and enough like messages and voices telling us we're not good enough. We can't do it the same as men. And we need to be a louder voice as females and, and be each other's biggest fans. Roar. 
Go, girl. That's big. <laughs> and if if you don't know our team very well, I, I feel like I should tell you that one of the people who does that best in the world is Ashley Bohens. Yes. Aww. You are such yep. a cheerleader of women. You've been yep. such a cheerleader of me. And I've seen you cheer on woman after woman after woman. Yes. And I, I think you're such a good example in that way. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I want to cry now. <laughs> That's something we You do. won't have been the first person to cry on this podcast. <laughs> though the first female, you will. All right, so let's talk about the guys for a little bit. The guys that are listening. What are what are what's, what's some advice that you would give the men who are leading ministries, that are leading churches that might be listening to this? That most women are not out to seduce you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. True, true. Sorry, fellas. <laughs> Have some healthy boundaries, but you don't need to avoid women like the plague. <laughs> like, like the plague of the temptress. <laughs> um, I would say that in every step of my journey, it's been a male who's opened the door for me. And it's been a male who's believed in me and lifted mm. me into that position. And so I'm forever grateful for those guys. They saw something in me before I even believed that about myself. And so I, my challenge to every male listening would be, who are the females around you that you see some, something in potential to be a communicator, a writer, a creative, and ask yourself, like, what am I doing to mobilize them to grow in this area? Because God's clearly gifted them in it. How can I help them develop that? And how can I use it in the ministry so that they're being used to their fullest potential? And if you're wondering like where to start, just ask yourself some of these questions. Like take an inventory of yourself, your ministry. Um, How many women, how many females are on your staff? Hmm. And is that even a conversation for the future? Um, How many females do you have teaching in your teaching rotation? Um, How many women are in your creative team? How many women are leading teams that have men on those teams. Hmm. Ask yourself, is this the salary I would offer this position if it was a male? Hmm. And asking like some of some of those questions are not easy. And yeah. I think they're they're gonna be a hard like sometimes you have to just be really honest with yourself. And my challenge would just be you the only thing that's gonna change the way females are viewed in youth ministry is the way that males treat them. Hmm. Because females yeah. have been loud enough. Like yeah. right now we just sat here and talked about this and everything we said isn't new. This is what females have been right. saying. And it hasn't been until the males start to change their view on it that the females yeah. are getting different opportunities. Yeah. Ashley, you mentioned pay just now. And that's just a tragic avenue that I can't believe that we still travel. Hmm. Um, I know it's 2017. <laughs> and we how just, is that a thing? How <laughs> is it a thing? Um, I was looking at Christianity Today, and they said that it, their 2018 handbook that comes out for churches for their pay raise pay rate um, that women are between eight thousand and twenty two thousand dollars less than men working full time in a similar position. Wow. Yes. What I ran into most hmm. with the pay gap in ministry. Well, he has a family to support. That, and that was always the comment I got. And, and she has dreams to live out. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, I have a family, but I know I have a husband, but I also want to be a contributor to right. my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in a job that I served in for many years, like I had to fight that. Could I just not get the pay of the guy I just hired? Because you're paying him at least $10,000 more than you're paying me. Mm. 
but he has a family. Well, you know what? So do I. Yeah. I like to go to Nordstrom Rack. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but really. I the, enjoy a good pair of I, earrings every once in a while. But it is true, though. It, I don't know why we talk about it. And I don't know why it's still an avenue for us to continue this conversation about the pay gap for women. And it's not just a ministry. This is one of those things that I think that we've seen in, in multiple ways of, in our society that people have a, you know, a, a belief or an understanding about something until there is a person that changes their experience with this. And I think that, that I've seen this in the lives of, of church leaders that, you know, that I've watched you know, from afar, that I've been in relationships with, is that they grow up, they have daughters, and they're like, holy smokes, like, I want everything for this girl. And she is amazing. Mm -hmm. And she can lead anyone no matter what their body parts are. And Mm -hmm. you you want to change, you want to change your perspective on things. And then you want to go back and, you know, slap younger you in the face and be like, like, what were you like, what were you thinking? And so, you know, I think that I think that that's probably something that we see more among older men that do have daughters is that Mm -hmm. they they begin to shift some of their thinking, some of their theology, when it comes to this. Um, Ashley, you were talking a little bit about, you know, encouraging guys to take a little bit of an inventory on themselves and ask some questions. I had something that was sent to me by a, a friend of mine who was an awesome uh, female leader in ministry, um, just an awesome leader in ministry. It's kind of one of those things, right? You should just say awesome I like that, leader Brett. in ministry. Well mm-hmm. Thank you. She called this the spectrum of positions when it comes to like your view on women and mm. leadership. And this, these, these are the six that she listed. Opponent, resistor, acceptor, supporter, ally, or advocate. And I think that that, that's like, you know, a really interesting scale for us guys to to think back, to sit back and ask ourselves where, like, where are we on this scale? And when it comes to our actions, when it comes to the way we lead, when it comes to the the people that we invite in the circles, Mm -hmm. how accurate are we with where we would assume that we, that we are on that scale? good. What do you think, um, what do you think that looks like in a ministry when someone's an opponent or an acceptor or an advocate? Yeah. I, I've honestly been thinking about that since, since I had this sent to me, I've been wrestling with that. And I don't, I don't know that we have the time to really un, unpack all of those. Um, but I've been thinking through a lot of that in my mind. So like, let's like, let's get together and write some of that out and just like make a blog post about it or something and flesh yes, it out. Yes, let's do it. Awesome, Crystal. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So before we wrap things up, any final thoughts that you guys have that you want to share? You know, I was listening to a podcast on this very subject and, and it was Annie Down speaking. And I don't know if it was her podcast or she was appearing on someone else's, but she, she made the point. She said, I'm not saying who you have to pay or what your your church's theological position should be, but I'm saying that you should have visible women as leaders because women represent part of the image of God. And if your students don't see them that way, then they're going to miss out on knowing Hmm. part of what God is like. Hmm. And I thought that (laughs) just what she said was huge. I would say as a challenge to the guys, let's, let's stop using theology as an excuse for a lot of the experiences that we're putting women through, a lot of the things that we just heard you guys mention as tensions and as challenges that you all have faced have absolutely nothing to do with theology. So let's be aware of some of those things and let's stop using theology as an excuse. 
And Brett from the ladies in the room, we really do appreciate you as a leader. You're very good at this. Oh, thank you, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Rethinking Youth Ministry Podcast. I hope this has been a valuable conversation for you to be a part of. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts because your review helps us make the podcast better. And for more resources and for a link to this blog that Crystal and I are going to be writing to check out the show notes for the episode, to learn about this student curriculum and strategy that we're all a part of here at Orange, we want to encourage you to visit our website at rethinkingym.org. And until next time, I am Brett. I'm Crystal. I'm Ashley. And I'm Charlie. And thanks for hanging out.